0: This is the Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Saint Mark. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. John the Baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart, and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, "You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased." This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. I still can't quite believe that we did all that this morning, but I'm so grateful to God. Early on in my campus ministry as the Episcopal chaplain at Harvard, a young freshman, I'm going to call her Emma, that was not her real name, she came into my office, sat down and blurted out, it's only a matter of time. Only a matter of time until what, I asked. It's only a matter of time until I'm found out, she said. Becoming increasingly nervous about what revelation might be coming, I turned to her and said, so what exactly did you do? Oh, don't worry, Emma assured me. I haven't done anything. It's just that I now know that I don't belong here. It's only a matter of time before everyone at Harvard discovers that I'm really not smart enough to be in this place. Now, I knew Emma well enough to know that she was, in fact, quite accomplished, and there was every reason to believe she would flourish at the college. And so I did my best to persuade her as much. You don't understand, Emma insisted. In every one of my classes, there is a valedictorian on one side of me and a person with perfect SAT scores on the other, and that's only the beginning. They usually also speak two or three languages, play the French horn in their spare time, and have already founded a successful nonprofit in high school. I don't have a chance. I just do not belong here, she finished. This was the first of many such conversations I had with new Harvard students, and I quickly learned that this variation of what the psychologists call the imposter syndrome is quite common, even in an environment where you might think that no one is lacking in self-confidence. Notwithstanding the impressive resumes of these students, most of them, deep inside, still worried that they were not good enough and that sooner or later they would be exposed as a fraud. I have come to appreciate, in the course of my ministry, that such feelings of inadequacy and not belonging are in fact a deeply embedded feature of the human condition, not just on college campuses, but in almost every realm of human life and at every age. We have all been there at some point. Perhaps you were that kindergartner running home to mom after the first day of school, convinced no one in class liked you. Or the middle schooler no one wanted on their team when sides were being picked for basketball. Or the 17-year-old convinced she would never be invited to the prom. Or the hard-working employee who never seems to get the promotion. Or the otherwise successful businesswoman who wakes up one day and realizes that despite her success, she doesn't have a single really true friend in all the world. The world, it seems, never stops measuring and judging us. The incessant noise from out there is that if we really want to belong, then we must perform, excel produce, look good, be smart, and otherwise meet the rising bar of somebody else's expectations. Most of us, I suspect, live with this dissonance, the dissonance between our deepest yearning to be loved as we are and the unrelenting, what-have-you-done-for-me-lately chant of a seemingly heartless world. We are, in a phrase, lost sheep, longing to belong, searching for the unconditional love and protection and encouragement of a faithful and devoted shepherd. Which is why the single most important thing for all of us to hear this morning are the words God speaks to his Son as Jesus stands knee-deep in the River Jordan. What God says to his son as he comes out of the waters of baptism is this, You are my beloved child, in whom I am well pleased, in whom I delight. God does not speak these words at the end of Jesus' life, after he has proven himself worthy as a son. God does does not make Jesus pass a test before God makes his love known. Indeed, you'll notice that the temptation of Christ's story comes after, not before, God's declaration of love for his Son. God speaks words of love for his Son right here at the beginning of Mark's Gospel, before anything else happens, at the moment Jesus is baptized. And what is perhaps most extraordinary about Jesus' baptism is that when God speaks his words of unconditional love to Jesus, he is also speaking to each one of us. We know this is true because God sends Jesus into the world to accomplish this very purpose, to invite every single person to stand with Jesus in the waters of the Jordan, to be claimed as God's own, to receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit, and to hear these exact same words whispered in our ears. You are beloved, you're chosen by God, God delights in you. Jesus comes into the world to draw each one of us closer to God's heart. And if that's not wonderful enough, here's another beautiful thing about baptism. Our relationship with God is the one relationship in life we can't screw up. And the reason we can't is because we didn't establish it. We can neglect our relationship with God, we can deny it, we can try to run away from it and ignore it, but we cannot destroy it, for the sacrament of baptism makes an irrevocably wonderful claim on us, whether we like it or not. You see, God loves us too deeply, too completely, to ever let us go. And one of the real joys of discovering these core truths about baptism is that we are suddenly inspired to share this good news with others. As the Jesuit priest Henry Nouwen puts it, quote, "'The real beauty of knowing that God has freely chosen to love us is that we soon discover within ourselves a deep desire to reveal to others their own chosenness. Instead of making us feel that we are better, more precious or valuable than others, our awareness of being beloved unconditionally opens our eyes to the belovedness of everyone else. That is the great joy of being chosen by God, the discovery that others are chosen as well. Once we deeply trust that we ourselves are precious in God's eyes, we are able to recognize the preciousness of others And their unique place in God's heart. Which brings me back to that young freshman, Emma, who walked into my office that fall day so many years ago. It was probably 11 years ago. With God's help, She overcame her feelings of insecurity and inadequacy, as I suspected she would, and she thrived at the college. She became a member of our Episcopal campus ministry, eventually being elected president. She then graduated cum laude and went on to Yale Divinity School, where she studied sacred music. At Yale, she fell in love with a young man who is now a Baptist youth minister, and together they live in North Carolina, sharing ministry and making a new life of their own in Charlotte. The important part in all of that is not so much that Emma conquered her bout of imposter syndrome and has since achieved a measure of success, whatever that means, but rather, The really good news is that by the grace of God, Emma and her new husband have found each other, have discovered their identities as Christ's own children, and are now living out the gospel and teaching others that they too are unconditionally loved and precious in God's sight. That's what's so good about her story. And that, my friends, is also my hope and prayer for VJ, for Adriana, for all the new members of this congregation, indeed, for all of us at Holy Trinity, because the gospel truth is that no matter how young or old we may be, no matter where we are in our journey with God, by virtue of our baptisms, each one of us is a beloved child claimed by the Holy Spirit, marked as Christ's own forever, a wonderfully made creature in whom God delights. And having baptized us, what God desires now, more than ever, more than anything, is that we share this good news of God's overflowing love